0: Crime Conversations bring together the biggest names in true crime, recorded live at CrimeCon London 2022, partnered by CBS Reality. For more information on future CrimeCon events, visit crimecon.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this live session and thank you all for joining me here today to talk about cults, coercion, and corruption. My name is Casey. And I am the host of the Cult Vault podcast, which is a long format, primarily interview based podcast that focuses on the true stories of individuals who are survivors that have experienced cults, high demand groups and more. When the show started, just over two years ago, it was a researched and single hosted scripted show with me looking at a different infamous cult each week. And all I really knew of cults at that time was what I had consumed from true crime documentaries and other podcasts. And around episode four of the show, I was approached by an author who asked if I would be interested in reading her memoir about her experience in a place called Zendik Farm. I don't know if anyone's heard of Zendik really interesting commune um, so I recommend anybody interested in the subject to go and read up about that. Helen Zuman had penned this memoir called Mating in Captivity about her time in a group that had a radical take on sex and relationships and after I read this memoir I realised that there was just so much more to this subject than I'd ever really considered and I asked Helen if she would be willing to come on the show and chat with me and she said yes Um, and so Helen was the first guest on my show. And after that, the trajectory of the podcast just changed completely. Um, I have really had the privilege of of being able to interview uh, almost 200 survivors of cults and high demand groups at this point. Um, And many of you may not realize that the tactics that are involved in cults and coercion are in operation in everyday situations. Um, And some of you may have experienced some of these tactics personally. One-on-one cults exist in domestic abusive relationships and also exist in environments that you can hear about at other panels uh, across the weekend, uh, things that include, you know, street gangs, um, and there's there's ex-offenders and uh, people who have been through the prison system as well, which in itself uh, has those types of methodologies in place. So although cults may seem like things that exist far away from us and that we as people could never be encouraged... Uh, into a cult or a high demand group, I want to share with you all today why that simply isn't true. And to help me with this, I have an amazing guest. Someone who was born into a movement with no choice on his participation. Someone who has made it his mission to highlight the coercion, abuse, and corruption of this particular group. Someone who has his own compelling platform and uses his voice for change whilst giving others the chance to tell their story too. So please welcome my special guest of the Falling Out podcast, Elgin Street. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Elgin, would you like to start by introducing yourself to the listeners?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, thank you everyone for being here. I'm amazed to see the the turnout, it's uh, quite encouraging. so, yeah, so as Casey mentioned, my name's Elgin Strait. Uh, I was born into um, a cult called the Unification Church. Uh, it's more commonly known as the Moonies. Um, that's sort of the pop culture terminology for it. Um, I left that cult mentally when I was around 18 years old, um, and but due to the, the, the immense pressure that the cult placed upon us to marry other people from the cult, um, I accepted an arranged marriage uh, to someone within the cult. Um, and uh, that marriage lasted for about 15 years. Um, and when it was all over, I, I sort of felt like for the first time I could like look look back at my life for the first time with no attachments to the cult. Um, so I almost feel like I left twice. Uh, and at that moment, I, I, that's when I really tried to understand what happened to me, and what happened to my family, um, I read a lot of books. I took a lot of courses, um, and it became quite clear to me that one very common trait amongst all most cults is that they they employ a lot of uh, guilt secret, guilt and shame. Um, uh, they use that tactic against their members, and and that that creates an air of secrecy uh, within the within the cult. Um, and it occurred to me that throughout my life, it would have been a, of immense value to me if I had just heard the stories of other people who had left the cult. Um, and so I decided to um, to try to document that on my own show, uh, Falling Out. So my show Falling Out uh, is me, effectively, um, interviewing other people who grew up in the same cult, uh, talking about their experiences within it, exposing the abuses within it, uh, and talking them through their journey of leaving it and how they were rebuilding their life afterwards. Um, I'm very pleased to say that I've lost count of the number of people who have left the cult as a direct result of listening to the show. Sorry, it's quite emotional for me to say that um but that is that is the reality, and I feel extremely privileged to have been able to to help people do that um, so yeah that's that's that.
0: Thank you, Elgin and um. I mean, it's not easy to ask you to give us a a summary or a brief history of the Unification Church, but for anybody that isn't too familiar with the movement, is there a a quick kind of roundup that you can give us?
1: Um, Yeah, it's going to have to be a very (laughs) short version. Um, uh, So, uh, okay, it's called the Moonies because it was started by a guy named Sun Myung Moon. Uh, Moon, uh, to place this in space-time... Moon was born in what is now North Korea in 1920. Uh, At the age of 16, he claims he had a revelation from God uh, telling him that it was his job to carry on the unfulfilled mission of Jesus. Uh, So that's one of the core tenets of the faith is that Jesus failed in his mission and a second coming was required. Moon claimed that he was the second coming. Uh, Obviously, they always claim it's them when they have these revelations. Um, It's never anyone else. Um, uh, And, to create this sort of n- new Garden of Eden on Earth, uh, humanity had to be uh, so-called um, grafted onto a pure blood lineage that Moon could create through a variety of methods. I won't get into now, just because we don't have enough time. Um, um, Moon in in the in the late '50s uh, into the early '60s, uh, he was basically running a sex cult in Korea at the time, um, and. He went to jail a few times for doing that although that's not the story that the cult tells you uh, and eventually um, i think his sordid past running that sex cult in korea combined with his sense for the market opportunity for extremism in the u.s uh led him to flee his past in korea and move to the, U- the u.s in the 60s um, at that point um the cult started aggressively uh, recruiting uh cult members in the US, including my parents. Um, and we'll talk about the coercion methodology later. Um, um, but the, to call it a re- religion is actually is actually, I, I think a complete misdirection uh, and it's, in, it's intentional because what the Moonies really is is it's an enormous, enormous constellation of front groups. I cannot I cannot over exaggerate the enormity of this spider web. I, f- I saw a list created in 1980, and it had 1,400 front groups listed on it. Um, those were just the ones that were known then, and that was 40 years ago. Um, and all of those front groups served to to bring money and power back to Moon and back to his family. Um, and to give you a couple examples, there, uh, the Moon fam- Moon started the uh, the newspaper, the Washington Times. Um, he owns it, uh, or his family. His family owns it, um, uh, and uh, that is a font of right-wing misinformation and disinformation. That's a whole other whole other story. But Moon has basically grafted himself onto the right wing in America, uh, and, and served as a, as a useful mouthpiece for them in a variety of different ways. It's a lot of influence there. Um, uh, did anyone eat sushi today, or in the last few days? No. Any hands? Okay. There's a ninety percent chance that that sushi came from a Mooney Run business. Uh, the Mooney's own uh, company a few companies um, uh, that that supply ninety percent of the sushi to the u s and Europe um, I'm guilty as well of eating sushi, even though I know this um, uh, I, that they own a gun company in America um, so they there and all of that yeah it serves to, to um, <laughs> To bring money and power back to Moon, and, and and it's worth saying that all of that was built on the backs of our parents um, who were basically coerced into working for Moon for free, effectively, uh, or at reduced reduced rates, working for one of these front organizations. My parents worked for the Washington Times for pretty much their entire careers. Um, sorry, let me let me pause there. Uh, and oh, last thing to say is, uh, Moon died in 2012, but the um, the cult lives on in uh, a a variety of uh, his family members. So it's sort of splintered into this like Game of Thrones situations where they're all trying to like fight for the remains of the empire a- across a few different factions, uh, including a couple of his sons, one, one of his daughters, uh, his wife, or uh, sorry, widow, uh, yeah, his widow. Uh, uh, they're all fighting for it, and it's a complete disaster. Um, uh, but it, bizarrely, it actually makes a good, a good environment for me to be speaking out, because they're too busy fighting each other to really care about what I'm doing What I'm doing now. <laughs> and if I make one of them look bad, the other ones are like, yeah, don't they look like shit? And I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> if that's how you want to roll, fine. Um, so anyway, sorry. Oh.
0: And one of the reasons that Moon was able to make this religious movement so big, with thousands of followers worldwide was through uh, a, a set of, of, of methodologies that were, were kind of carefully honed over mm-hmm. a number of years. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we just dis- discussed on our Zoom call last week was the uh, the initial introduction of the first generation into the church. Yeah. So we kind of started at love bombing. Mm-hmm. yeah, And the, the kind of first generation process of yep. somebody being brought into one of these groups. So I wondered if you could just talk us through that process.
1: Absolutely. Can I just ask, again, show of hands, uh, love bombing, anyone familiar with the term? Okay, nearly everyone. That term was coined by the Moonies. They created it in the 60s and the 70s. Um, And now it's most commonly known, uh, the most common context that you all are probably familiar with it is in in the context of of dating and trying to win someone over. but the Moonies, the Moonies started it. They invented it, uh, and it was specifically to uh, coerce people to become full-time members. And the, the way it worked um, back then, and it's still happening today, is um, it usually starts with someone, someone from the opposite sex approaching you on the on on the street or in some sort of public setting, and that's intentional. Uh, having it be someone from the opposite sex put, injects a little bit of sexual chemistry and sexual energy and attraction into that very first inter- interaction that you have with someone. Uh, so, an attractive person walks up to you and says, hey, we're hosting this dinner. Are you, are you interested in world peace? Are you, are you interested in making the world a better place? Okay, if you are, you should come to this cultural event that we're hosting at our, at our house. Um, sounds very innocuous. No one mentions anything about the cult. Uh, and it's almost intentionally something that it will be impossible to disagree with. Do you want to end hunger? Yeah, okay, of course. I'll, like, like, no, no one's going to disagree with this. So inevitably, some people end up coming to, these, to an event, and it's, it's like a potluck dinner or something like that, some like a barbecue type of thing. Um, but when you're there, you don't know it, but you're the mark. You're the target when you get there. Um, you are the target for love bombing. Um, and everyone there knows, knows who's a member and who's not a member. If you're not a member, you walk into the room and everyone showers you with attention. Uh, you walk in, and it might be kind of subtle, but all of a sudden you're the most interesting person in the room. Uh, everyone cares about what you say. Everyone's, everyone's interested. They'll laugh at your jokes, and they'll make you feel loved. Um, you get You get the sort of love and affection that a rock star or a celebrity would get. It's not normal. To feel that, but it creates a little dopamine hit. It creates a little dopamine hit, and when you leave, you miss it. You want that. You want that dopamine hit back. Um, so then, when they say, "Hey, actually, we're doing a we're doing a longer event. It's actually like a weekend weekend away. We're doing, um, you know, we're we're doing this uh, we're doing this retreat. Would you like to come?" Um, you might say, "Okay," and you go there. The love bombing continues. Um, once they're isolated, though, they have more control. They can control what you eat. They can control when you sleep. Um, They can control nearly all aspects of your life. And at that point, um, they start to to whittle down your defenses um, whilst maintaining the love-bombing pressure. Uh, And over time, in that environment, when your defenses are low, they also intentionally isolate you from the people that you love and the people that know about you and care about you. Uh, And they make it increasingly difficult for you to go and talk to them, even just to call them on the phone. Um, They do this little by little but over time they're wearing you down. Uh, and eventually it might be like, go to barbecue one night, then they invite you somewhere for the weekend. Then they invite you somewhere for seven days. Then maybe it's two weeks, At the end of those two weeks. Finally, they mention, oh, by the way, this is about moon and, and he's the Messiah. And would you like to join? Um, but By that point, it's been this, this long and gradual process, not even that long, but it's been intentionally gradual. No one's upfront about what's happening to begin with. Um, So that's one one example of one of the coercion tactics.
0: And something I found quite familiar across a lot of the interviews I've done is that after that love bombing comes a lot of the toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe messages of, um, you know, well maybe you should come to as many activities as Sally's coming to because she's committing this much time to the church and and wouldn't it be great if you you know so it's it's kind of starting to add that element of of um you know w- we're going to be nice to you if you give us more yeah
1: yeah they they start demanding from you and then and if you start adding any negativity or questioning they they use that against you they say it's cuz you're 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 not you're not strong enough you're too weak uh, in this case in the case of the moonies they might tell you that it's satan invading you uh the spirit world is, uh, is affecting you if you have any sort of negativity or questioning
0: so if if that's how the first generation of the 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 unification church members were introduced to the church mm-hmm. why is it after the love bombing and the toxic positivity that people stay that they don't leave which leads to of course the second generation and survivors such as yourself
1: yeah um a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's 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 an all-encompassing lifestyle uh by that point like so you know when i was to give you to give you a sense like so when i was growing up my parents worked for a mooney business so all of their co-workers were moonies um i went to a i went uh, sorry um i went to church on sundays i saw moonies there uh sometimes we had like sleepaway camps on the weekends i saw moonies there um so they they take all of your the, the support network that someone would normally have. It all becomes part of that. It all becomes subsumed by the cult. So you don't have anything left. So then when where do you if you want to leave that environment where do you go? You don't have any friends. Uh, you probably lost contact with your family. You um, probably burned that bridge. Uh, where where do you go? They make it almost impossible yeah. to leave because they intentionally burn all those bridges for you.
0: Would you say that the messages of of guilt would come in at that point. Is there yeah. ever a time where the church might say, We've done all of this for you and now, you know, if you if you leave after mm. everything we've done and are there are you threatened with consequences like what will happen to your soul if you oh, yeah. leave um, and and <laughs> oh, your yeah. community and your family? Oh yeah.
1: Um so um I get yeah, to give you some context there, we were um So we haven't talked too much about the ideology, but sexual so-called purity is a big issue. Uh, And I was, uh, as a so-called second generation, with uh, I, in theory, have a uh, pure blood lineage that no one else in this room would would have. Uh, And as a result, if I were to uh, have sex with someone beyond the person that the cult said I could have sex with, then I would go to uh, a worse place in hell than Hitler. Um, the the absolute worst place. Uh, They're all kinds of like they really embellish the stories. Like the fish, the fish in the spirit world will spit at you and like people. It's just really horrible stuff. Anyway, um, in theory, that's where I'm going now. Um, I'll believe it when I see it.
0: So after this systematic recruitment and retainment of the first generation members, yeah. the mass weddings happen. The second generation are born. Yeah. What is that like for uh, at the period of time where you were born into the movement? How soon is it that the the, the, the babies mm. are subjected to the same methodologies that the, that the parents have been yeah. subjected to? Uh,
1: it's a good question. It's, it's from birth, effectively. So um, we were uh, at, at eight days old. There are photos, photos of pretty much all of us Mooney kids. Um, eight days old, we were put um, uh we had to wear this kind of like white silk robe and our parents would wear white silk robes and they placed us in front of a a photo of moon and his wife and some of their family members Uh, and uh they our parents said a very solemn prayer effectively pledging our lives to moon for the rest of our lives Uh, from from eight days old um, our lives were given to them effectively um and that indoctrination Continued as far as I can remember. So we um, every Sunday we had to wake up at 5 a.m. Um, this is this is part of like a lot of cults use this this tactic of like of basically excuse my French but fucking with your sleeping um, to to put you in a different in a different state of mind. So every week for as long as I can remember we'd I'd wake up at, at um, actually 4:45 a.m. Lights would go on. My dad would come up. We'd have to put on our suits uh, and then go downstairs. Uh, stand in front of a photo of Moon and his wife, uh, do three full bows to them, um, and then uh, re-pledge our lives to them, uh, pledging our blood, sweat, and tears to help them build the so-called kingdom of heaven on earth. Uh, That was every week. Uh, We went to multiple uh, sort of indoctrination camps uh, throughout the summers, uh, spring breaks, all that sort of stuff. I personally went to uh, an indoctrination Program in Korea at the age of thirteen I lived there for a year away from my family. Uh, about a hundred kids, for a bit of context, about a hundred kids and four grown-ups looking after them. Uh, it was it was like Lord of the Flies. Uh, it was it was awful.
0: And that's in the family home, and then another. Mm-hmm. really notable thing about the yeah. unification church is the weaponizing families against one another by the separation that occurs mm-hmm. between parents and children. So where parents would be encouraged to go and leave the children for missionary work to raise money for the unification church, yeah. the children would be left.
1: Yeah. This is one of the most heartbreaking uh, aspects of this. And we talk about this a lot on my show. Um, the, the church would um, basically to facilitate um, Facilitate parents working for Moon or one of his one of his um, front groups full time. Uh, the church uh, coerced parents into giving their kids up um, and putting them in orphanages. Effectively, uh, at the age of 100 days, they're put into these group care facilities, um, where yeah, you'd have you know toddlers up to like six, seven years old, um, all living together. Um, and there are many of these facilities around the world. kind of, yeah, There's a, a lot of these facilities around the world. I don't know how many of them are still in existence today. Um, but yeah, kids were, kids were orphaned there, abandoned, uh, so their parents could go work for this psychopath.
0: And there would be parents of other children who had been left? that would be called to these these houses to parent other children that were not their children. Yeah. So it was very, very systematically done in in, in order um, to keep those those families separated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And Once you're older and you're able to start raising money for the Unification Church, Uh what would that look like in terms of your contribution? What are some of the things that you might see members of the church being involved in?
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's a lot of financial control completely. Um, So first of all, if you're working for a church business, you're not getting paid market rate. They're they're underpaying you as massively as they can. Second of all, uh, you're... uh, you're uh, required to give away 10% of your pre-tax income to give that to the church, and that's just a baseline. But then every month it's like, oh, we need a donation for this thing that we're building, or we need a donation for this tour that we're running. Give us another 1000 um, bucks. So there's a ton of financial coercion and pressure that's applied, um, but that doesn't even tie into what, the, like, the real question that you're asking, mm-hmm. which is uh, for people that aren't doing, doing that, they have these... Um, uh, these fundraising teams, um, and these were both adults and kids did this. Um, uh, you basically, you have a, a van of uh, maybe, I don't know, seven or eight seven or eight people um, driving around the country in the US, driving around the country or driving around Europe, um, it happens here as well, um, uh, basically living in this van. Uh, and selling trinkets on the side of the road or selling flowers in bars. It's called a mobile fundraising team. But people do this six, seven days a week, 12 hour days. They sleep in the van. They eat fast food. Um, yeah. People have died doing this. It's not this is not without consequence. And no no one has paid any any price for this. And we talk about this on my show. Um, in I think it was either 2001 or 2002. An 18 year old girl was on one of these fundraising runs. Um, She uh, entered a guy's house and she was raped and murdered. Um, No one has ever suffered any consequence for this. Um, And this all ties into the the coercion and the pressure because we were taught as kids that the pathway to heaven was determined by the number of dollars that we put into the organization. That's the type of coercion that we're talking about. Uh, And I know it sounds crazy and it is crazy but that's the environment that i grew up in you know whatever you people accept what you're born into um that was the reality for for me and for many other people
0: and i think it's really important to highlight that as well for people who um often ask you know how or why would somebody join a cult um by birth obviously absolutely no no choice in your part there Um but even with your parents the systematic approaches that are used are, any, any, anybody can be a victim of, of this, this type of, uh, of exploitation. And I think it's really important to point that out. And something else that you said that was interesting in our chat last week was about how it's impossible to change the belief systems of an individual if they're not willing to think past just accepting moon and his words as mm-hmm. gospel. So you said it, that if somebody, if, if you were to, to question with somebody, they would say, you just have to take Moon's word for it, you just have to get on board. Mm-hmm. And we see that a lot at the moment with other groups popping up in America that are not related to the Unification Church directly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, you and
0: mentioned QAnon.
1: Yeah, QAnon's. About, I see a lot of similarities between QAnon and the Unification Church. Um, but I think, I guess, just to really like d- dig into to that, like, and, and to make it relatable as a, a almost like a warning sign of like, am I? If you ever, if you're ever thinking like, am I in a cult? Then like, one of the main one of the main things to ask is like, how receptive, how receptive is the is the group that you're in to just looking at the evidence and and just trying to accept it at face value. uh, Because that is a big, a big part of the, the indoctrination is like, and it's actually, and I think QAnon probably does this as well, although I'm not an expert, but basically it's like, if you, um, like evidence, like evidence of people speaking against the group is, is taken as, um, Evidence right. is proof, proof that, that the group right. is working. Proof mm-hmm. that proof that proof that they're right. Because why would people be criticizing something unless it unless it was doing something good? Um, mm-hmm. So they twist it around. And so if you ever find your pla- find yourself in a place where that sort of logic is applied, you might be in a cult. Mm-hmm.
0: So with cults and, and coercion, we we we're talking a lot about human trafficking and, and modern slavery, mm-hmm. which which really does come under the the umbrella of cults. And people might not think that those two things are directly related. When you hear about somebody being trafficked and you hear about cults, you might think, <clears throat> sorry, you might think, oh, how, how does Charles Manson or Jim Jones link to, you know, a child being sent to another country? But it's, it's so much more than that, as a lot of you in this room probably know. <clears throat> and just to finish up, really, our session today, where is the Unification Church right now? And what would you say is most notable for for us in this mm. room to be to be on the lookout for
1: yeah it's a great question so um number one I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the term human trafficking this this is a human trafficking organization at the end of the day it, it meets all of those criteria yeah, and they hide behind this this hall of mirrors of all of these front groups so that nothing can ever be pinned on any on any one one individual or one mm-hmm. or, or one group Um,
0: You mentioned um, the mass weddings as well, the true agenda behind the mass weddings is not part of the doctrine, but actually to further the agenda. of.
1: Yeah. And so actually, we kind of skipped over that earlier, but the Moonies became famous in the 70s and 80s for holding these mass weddings. Um, uh, They say it's for for theological reasons, but my personal belief, uh, uh, after speaking to a lot of people about this, is uh, it was actually massively um, premeditated way to circumvent labor laws um by getting people to certain places so that sushi business that i mentioned earlier earlier in the u.s um all of the workers who did that and actually in this country too um all of the workers um in those places came from japan and the reason they could stay in europe and the u.s is because moon married them to citizens of european countries as well as the u.s Uh, and we're talking thousands of people here um so yeah that's that's Mm -hmm. a good point Mm -hmm. i know i know we're short on time um i think just to to really like make it salient and relevant to what's happening right now um so um The Mooney Mooney Org still um, hosts regular events where they, and they'll they'll have names like the, the Family Federation for World Peace or the Universal Peace Federation or the International Federation for World Peace. These sort of innocuous sounding names. And they will invite heavy hitters to speak at these and they will pay them money to speak at them. When I say heavy hitters, I mean heavy hitters. Donald Trump spoke at one of these. Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence spoke at one of these. Um, These people are taking money, human-trafficked money. um, And so first of all, they're profiting from human trafficking. And second of all, the Moonies are then using that to their constituents and saying, hey, look, Trump spoke at our event. He supports us, blah, 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 blah. So it's used to cycle further the cycle of abuse. The last thing I want to say there, I know you're looking at your watch, uh, (laughs) uh, is um, uh, it's not just politicians. Um, uh, Jose Manuel Barroso, the current chairman of Goldman Sachs, uh, has taken money to speak at m- multiple Mooney events. Um, he is guilty of accepting human trafficking money, and I think he should be held accountable. And there are a lot of other people as well. He's one of the most high profile. Thank you.
0: For more information yeah. on, on Elgin's amazing show, he covers all of this meticulously with obviously himself and and other, uh, other survivors on his show. Falling Out is available. Season three has just uh, started to release wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Casey, host of The Cult Vault. You can come and chat to us, please. Come and chat to us at our stall on Podcast Row. Thank you so much to Nancy and the team for having us here today, and I really hope that you enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. you. you.
0: You've been listening to Crime Conversations, recorded live at CrimeCon London 2022, partnered by CBS Reality. For more information on future CrimeCon events, visit crimecon.co.uk.